0: Date of recording, the 30th of May 2020. Song Credit, Wasted Partnership Tune by Hall Fix.
1: Welcome to today's episode of Let's Talk Media with Vedant Akari. For this week's episode, we're talking about the best and the worst video games of the 21st century so far. And here are my three guests. Olivia, Chloe, and Corey. Hey guys, welcome to the show.
2: Hi. Hi. Thanks
1: Hello. for having us. All right, so how do all of us know each other?
2: Game, game over. Game over. <laughs> the best show on ICTV. Woo! <laughs> ICTV's <laughs> one stop for gaming tech and internet culture news. What is
1: ICTV, fellas?
2: Uh, it's t- like it's called television. television. <laughs> the oldest student-run television station in the in country. In the country! Wowee! <laughs> the longest-running show on the country's oldest student-run television station.
1: A reason why I wanted to do this episode is because this episode should come out on July 11, 2020, which is my 20th birthday. Nice! Wow.
3: I'll Love to see it.
1: You know, as I turned 20, I just wanted to look back on the past 20 years and... So I thought, why not do that with video games because they've been such a huge part of my life for almost 20 years.
3: Absolutely fair.
1: So makes I'm just, thank you. So I'm just wondering, how did all of you get introduced to video games?
2: I was always a Nintendo kid through and through. And that started with my dad sitting my brother and I down ever since we were toddlers playing Mario on my dad's NES. And ever since then, you know, as they say, the rest is history, I've been Nintendo Person. In the top 1,000 of my super players in the world, to this day, I still put in like my social media bios and stuff, I flipped the penguin iceberg twice in one night. I'm very proud of it. we so proud of you, Chloe. Yes.
3: <laughs> it means a lot. Kind of similarly, my parents were both kind of casual gamers of sorts. My dad played like the old Mario games, um, although he called it Mario for many years until my brother and I bullied him into changing it <laughs> to pronounce it correctly. Um, and then my mom played this game that I believe was an SNES game called Secret of Mana. Yeah, no, so they didn't have, we didn't have any of their old consoles, although we've since picked up, like, Retrons and things to be able to play the old consoles and, like, the N64 and stuff. But they got us an Xbox when my brother and I were little. My brother's five years older, so he's now off and doing the things um, in the the industry of the films. So I think the oldest games I played were, like, Forza Motorsport, uh, this, like, Mm -hmm. snowboardy racing game called Arctic Thunder. It was like for snowmobiles, like snow bike, something or other. Uh, And then we got like a Wii and a DS and we played those sorts of things. Since my brother was five years older, it was a lot of me watching him playing games. So like technically speaking, I've never played Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess, but I watched him play it. So a lot of things that I got introduced were via him and his continued love for
0: games. And uh, I think I started with like type to learn.
3: Oh, like, yeah, that too. The
0: yeah. Educational <laughs> games. You know, like my dad was saying, like the Reader Rabbits. <laughs> yeah, I love Reader
1: Rabbits.
0: And uh, those, like Leapfrog yeah. of tablets, yeah. kind of stuff. Um, and then eventually, my it's parents good. got us a, a, a GameCube. Um, and we played Mario Kart and all the classics.
1: So, how this episode is going to work is that we're going to list our personal best games from 2001 until. What's today, May 30th, 2020? Yeah. So from that time frame, we're gonna do the best and then we're gonna do the worst. And Chloe and everybody else, do you want to do like a middle of the road category or do you just want to do best and worst?
3: It's cool to talk about perfect games and then to rant about games that suck, but like it's like, yes. it has to go on either one of those lists, I feel like. All
1: right, so let's do best and worst. I think Uncharted 2 is my best for the Uncharted series.
3: Three, debatably, but the other ones are good um i've never personally played them but i enjoy watching the uh the actors of um nathan and sam play them because they've been going through and playing the uncharted games so that's that's a lot of fun
0: i don't like the first uncharted game i'm gonna be honest like i was expecting a kind of like adventure game but it's just a cover shooter and i feel like it's not even a good one at that
3: you know i feel like it came yeah, into its own it. as they figured out what they were doing more obviously three is ah but uh two was great and then i also really liked four probably my favorite game of all time uh came out in like i want to say 2013 2014 um it's called transistor it's really pretty and a lot of the the, every single aspect is really tied into each other like your main character is a singer and so sometimes during like key portions of the plot the background music becomes like one of her songs the government was trying to use this like race of robots to like make change in the city and they thought that they had control of it but they lost the weapon that allows them to keep control of it and so now the robots have kind of gained sentience and are sort of eating up the city um and so you go around trying to fight the robots and also the government made you mad so now you got to go find the people of the government and sort of get back what they took from you kind of thing and so as it gets more roboticized even like the music gets more roboticized and it's just very nicely stylized and interesting
1: is it good would you recommend it
3: yes no it's my favorite game of all time it's great and also it's got this, it's, it got excellent versatility and replayability because, so it, the way the combat system works is you have these functions that you have this like sci-fi sword thing that installs different functions from different traces of people. And there are like three different ways you can use it. You can use it in an active slot, a support slot, or a passive slot each move is traced to a certain person that is like now gone and was like a target of the government because the government is trying to take down all of their dissenters and stuff. So as you use them in different slots, you gain more information about those people. So it actually encourages you to change up your play style as you go along. You can do recursion. So once you beat the game, you can play the game through again and the battles get harder and the robots get more complicated. And um, it just makes for a lot of versatility and replayability. And there are also limiters you can impose yourself to make the game even more difficult. If you wanted to play it in one sitting, you could I usually get through a play of the game and, two or so settings. It is It is actually my favorite game ever made. <laughs> I will pretty much stand by that statement through anything also because I went to PAX East and I met the creators. So I have this, this game has a very special place in my heart for that reason. So the guy who does the voice for the voice in the sword like processed my
2: order. And so I got to have a conversation
3: with him about it and it was super cool. <laughs>
2: oh, that's really cool. My favorite video game of all time is Pokemon Mystery Dungeon, Floors of Darkness but um, i want to broaden that game to just pokemon gen 4 there. as one of the best video games of all time i mean is for dungeon Explorers series which is time darkness and sky
3: all of which are great i own all three of
2: them <laughs> um some critics have the part where critics criticized it the most was for its repetitive gameplay the main uh, mechanism of the game is you get missions go into dungeons Every dungeon pretty much plays the same way. You kind of go through the maps, defeat the enemies, collect the items, send like rescue the Pokemon and then come back. But for me, I mean, I'm a pro-Mindsweaver player, clearly repetitive playing, not something that I mind. The story of Pokemon Mystery Dungeon Explorers is as one of the best plot lines of any video game I've ever played. And little me was crying, at the end of Pokemon Mystery Dungeon Explorers of Darkness. And let's also just remind ourselves of the other entries in the Pokemon <laughs> Gen 4 saga. I mean Pokemon Pearl, Diamond, and Platinum. Pokemon Platinum is is really, really, really good. I mean I'd be willing the to make the argument that Platinum
3: is one of the best Pokemon <laughs> games, period, arguably.
2: <laughs> I mean, absolutely. And every time I talk to someone who has played Pokemon games throughout time and I mention how much I miss the underground, I always agree. I always agree, underground was an amazing mechanism in Pokemon, Pearl, and Diamond and Platinum. We
3: are hitting the point in the generations of, of the way everything is spaced out.
2: Well, they are doing the, next, the remakes of Gen the next, 4. The next thing we're getting is the Gen 4 remake. I'm going to cry. That I'm actually be. going to cry. And then we're going to get the underground back and everything's <laughs> going to be great. So my, my number one first thing that I am saying for best video game is Pokemon Gen 4 video games. Yeah, no, my brother and I did that too. Especially Mystery Dungeons.
3: Yeah, my brother had Diamond, I had Pearl. He got Explorers of Time, I got Explorers of Darkness. So yeah, no, that's the vibe.
0: (laughs) Pokemon Platinum was my favorite video game for a long time. I want to talk about an indie darling that people generally don't talk about called Outer Wilds, not Outer Worlds, Outer Wilds. It's a game about uh, like exploring space And basically, you're this, like, alien, quote, unquote, uh, race with, like, four eyes and, like, webbed fingers or whatever. There's this newfound space program on your planet. And, like, which I think is hilarious is the fact that, like, all of the spaceships are literally held together by duct tape. The whole game is about, like, traveling uh, around this solar system with, like, five, six different planets Um, and discovering the secrets of this ancient civilization. It's really cool for two reasons. First of all, because uh, the resource management system is very simplistic. The controls are very simplistic. There's very little interaction you can pick up. You can pick up, like, a couple things. That's, like, uh, very rarely. It's mostly just walking around and reading stuff on these different planets. But the resource management is, like, health, it's, like, fuel for your jetpack and your rocket ship, and it's time. Like, you have to make sure you, um, like, get to different things before a certain amount of time runs out. The game has this sort of urgency where, like, you want to stop and, like, uh, appreciate, you know, the the flora and fauna around you, you know, the, um, the whatever sculptures have been created by these, uh, by these ancient peoples, but you can't Like, when you think of ancient civilizations, you think, like, very serious people, but then you read these messages left by these people, and they're just normal people. They're just, like, they're just some guys and dudes and gals. It also adds this really sad aspect to it because you're reading these really nice, wholesome messages from people who are long dead, and their entire race is, like, extinct in your solar system, and it's really fascinating. I would highly recommend it if you haven't
1: played it. I'm next, so I guess one of my best is Life is Strange. Have any of you guys played
3: Ah, uh, yes, Life is Strange. I've
2: I haven't played it, but I've heard really good things about
3: it. I have had multiple deep conversations with my friend Aaron about Life is Strange because we both really like those sorts of games that are like choices matter, in-depth, kind of butterfly effect style games.
1: I love the characters. Like, Chloe is... Chloe! <laughs>
2: I know, I know Chloe's a character in Life is Strange, I didn't know that. has blue hair and
3: says hella.
1: <laughs> Olivia, what was your reaction when it, it turned out that Jeff...
3: I was, I was wilding, I was like... <laughs> Just the entirety of Chapter 4. The entirety of Chapter 4 of Life is Strange is some of the best storytelling I've ever seen. And my, I may have my angry feelings about the very end of Life is Strange, but Chapter 4 is like perfection. It's so good. Chapter four starts with, um, you're still in the flashback.
1: Yeah, you're still in, um, you're, you're in the flashback. And it starts with the scene where
3: it's like, I want you to help me kill myself. <laughs> yes, that's... And we're like, yikes. And then it ends with that. And I'm like, what? The entire situation is wild. And it's really, like, Honestly, like the very end of the game kind of erases all the choices you made. All of chapter four is where all the choices you've made up until that point sort of come to a head and I think it's really fascinating.
1: Yeah, and it's such a shame because I did not like Life is Strange 2.
3: I liked what it was trying to do. I I appreciated the commentary it was trying to make.
1: I just don't think they did it as well as they could. And so... Yeah,
3: and the graphics still... They could have done better with the graphics. (laughs) Like it had hardly changed. It had been like five
2: years and I'm like, y'all, Next game that I had on my list is Lego Star Wars. Yes, Lego Star Wars. Specifically for me, I played Lego Star Wars Complete Trilogy on Wii. I also Saga. had Lego Star Wars 1 through 3, the Pequel, the pequel trilogy, trilogy. I can't talk today. For GameCube, I am specifically referring right now, Complete Saga 1 through 6, and I played it on Wii. I mean, that game, it's just so solid. Level building, Th- that feeling you get—you finally 100% any Lego game, not just Star Wars, but also specifically Lego Star Wars—there is arguably no better feeling in the world. You yeah, know, especially I like the the feeling of like the stud count, like yeah, trying to get true up. Jedi. I, yeah, if I was about to complete a level and I didn't get true Jedi, I would I'd go back and do it, it again. Yeah, but, <laughs> <laughs> there's no way. Because also the humor those games, they would take. I mean, you know, when you're trying to make some kind of Star Wars media, you already have such a huge bar to live up to, especially considering the Star Wars fandom. We're going to ignore the recent changes in the fandom right now. We're just going to talk about the Star Wars fandom that existed when this game came out. Yeah. Star Wars, you know, are the most iconic franchises the entire on the entire planet. When you're making a video game about Star Wars, you have to know there are of rabid fans out there waiting to tear down your yeah, game. Yeah, no, specifically Star Wars point. fans are very aggressive. <laughs> and, I mean, they just put so much content into the game. And, like, the humor that's there, not only they tell the story of Star Wars, but they do it in a way that's different than if you just watch the movies. Yeah. You no? Know? Because, like, the comedy that's there, I mean, you can change all the Stormtroopers' guns to carrots. That's hilarious. Yeah. And then when you're in the very first Um, very first, uh, scene of movie four. I always think of movies four through six as one, two, three, because they're the ones that were filmed first. Yeah. And I always confuse them. Yeah, no, a new tub. And then you open one of the, um, pods and there's, uh, stormtroopers in there in a hot tub. I mean. Yes, I remember that. (laughs) Comedy right there. Comedy. And those games were so impactful on me when I was younger now, every single time I watch the opening of movie 4, I only see it in Lego. You do? Like, I I see the the regular image on the screen, and the information is transferred through my eyes and into my brain, and my brain sees it in Lego. Lego. I only you know, see it, scene, like, like as, Lego as the Lego scenes from Lego Star Wars. Like, that's how good that
0: game was. Yeah,
3: you're, you're just referencing the opening scene, and I am, like, vividly seeing it in my head and what the corridor looked like, like and, like, where the yeah. thing with the hot tub was. Like, I know exactly what you're talking exactly. about. It was that vivid.
2: It's just, and I've played, other, was so good.
3: I've played other Lego games because um, my mom is a really big fan of Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, so I bought both of those Lego games for her. And they're great, but they're not Lego Star Wars. Yeah,
2: I mean, I have Lego Batman, For we and uh, keep in mind, like a lot of the Lego games are really good. Yeah, no, they're all good. Not just just... obviously Lego Star Wars is a standout, but somehow Lego just made great video games. Yeah, no one told them. Yeah, no, they're just like Lego didn't start making video games. (laughs) People told them have to make some of the best video games of all time. They did it anyway. <laughs> they're just like I yeah no let's put beautiful. an incredible amount of thought and care into
3: this no one asked us to do this everybody was just like yeah no pod racing exists so that we can sell video games and then Lego was just like okay sure but uh how about legs, we just actually uh, They it excellent
2: I like <laughs> that the they did just, tried
3: just the to be the best level
0: thing. in video game history
3: <laughs> <laughs> and it is yeah so what <laughs> is it we like, thought <laughs> pod racing the pod oh. racing No, know the pod racing level I didn't I have very strong feelings about the Star Wars prequels as movies. I hate Attack of the Clones. I hate the movie.
0: It's I love be- Attack of the Clones.
3: <laughs> and obviously, like, Clone Wars made the trilogy better, but, like, the Lego Star Wars games made me like sections of those movies more. Like, the like the arena scene from the end of Attack of the Clones is just peak, because... <laughs> it was just in Lego Star Wars that way, and it was just so good. Like, yeah, think, no, Lego Star Wars.
2: I think the greatest thing about Lego not just Lego Star Wars, but also a bunch of the Lego games, but especially Lego Star Wars, is they just have so much heart and they're so much fun. They gave you a brand new, different way to experience the story you already know and love, which mm-hmm. is, I think, maybe one of the most appeal... Like, I think that's why Lego Star Wars appeals to so many people. And my boyfriend recently bought Lego Star Wars on Steam and we're replaying it. still just as much fun. still so much fun, even... The game glitches because there are many glitches in that game. That is my next answer. Lego Star Wars, one of the best video games of all time. All right. Uh, Ace
3: Attorney Dual Destinies. I've had an obsession with Dual Destinies for years because um, there's this channel on YouTube that does these like Let's Dub situations where they'll voice like the entire thing, game text and all, and like like it's a fully voice acted cast and everything. And so they've done a bunch of the Ace Attorney games, and I really really liked so. For those who don't know, there's a DLC, there's a downloadable content case in Dual Destinies where um, Phoenix Wright accidentally agrees to represent a whale. Whale is being convicted of murder, and he agrees to defend this whale in court because <laughs> this girl is like, breaking down crying on his doorstep. And he's like, okay, okay, I'll help you. He's just gotten his attorney's badge back, and that is the first case he picks up. <laughs> I liked the updating of the graphics, and I thought the story was really interesting, and the cases were really exciting. So I, I liked Dual Destinies a lot for that reason. But any Ace Attorney game deserves to be on that list because I really like Ace Attorney.
0: This other game that I really love—it's a walking simulator. So this game is called What Remains of Edith Finch.
3: Yes, I love that game. I love. It's so good,
0: Edith Finch. It is so okay, so good. the same people did Outer Wilds because now I'm really going to have to play that. The same publisher, not the same developer. Okay. Uh, I don't remember who the developer was. It okay, might but Edith Finch. Giant. Edith Finch is so good. Right. <laughs> who gave <dude>? them permission? <laughs> who gave them permission? Right. I like <laughs> games where you just like sit down. Ooh, what's that? Ooh, that's nice. Ooh, that's cool. You know, just like walk around, chill out for a while, have a good time. Edith Finch is one of those games that does that, uh, but it does it so well. It's both happy and
3: sad. Yeah, no, if you really thought that that description was going to make you think that playing Edith Finch was a comfortable experience,
0: you're wrong. (laughs) No, not at all. (laughs) It's Um, real bad. (laughs) Yeah, that's the first game that made me cry. Oh, valid. You're one of the Finch family. The Finch family is a family who lives, uh, used to live on this island and uh, they all lived in one house and whenever they had, like, Uh, a new kid, or a new family member, a new spouse, they would just build a new room. So there's this house on this island that is just stacked. Like, weird stuff on top of weird stuff. And every room is, like, tailor-made for each person. So every room is super weird and, like, cool to, you know, be in. And every time you walk in, you find a new room, Uh, you get this, like, flashback sequence of how the person died.
3: Yeah, and let's also reference that anytime somebody dies the, the character's mom has like locked up the room. So it's all like boarded yes. up and locked up and so you have to find like back ways to get into things. But yeah, no, yeah. you flash back to each family member and so you play as like each family member and see how they died.
0: Yeah, and it's so <laughs> cool and like it's you know there are some like basic puzzles of like getting into the rooms and like going through back exits and that kind of thing. And it's it's Cheeky, it's nice. it's just such a profound little experience where you're Cheeky just it's like hard uh, to describe it like it's yeah. so hard you just have to experience it when you walk into a room it like frames a certain important object in a uh, in a way that's like not forced but it's like oh that's an interesting object and then you like look and then at that the object the key object that
3: takes you into the yeah. sequence
0: and you're not forced to go through these sequences but like just the way the levels are designed it leads you to yeah. It's, it it's a natural experience, really natural way
3: can we talk about just a little detail the transitions into the each experience with the objects is yeah. wild like you just like you open the book and then so you and then you sort of zoom in on the page and then you set it down and you're someone else. Like
0: and it's like a yeah. different time with different lighting and it's just like it's just little masterful pieces like that. That's my game. What remains of Edith Finch? Incredible. Highly recommend. I have Steam open in a different
2: window and I'm adding all these games to my wishlist. To wish your wish list, list, list as you go, yeah. As we're talking nice. about. Them. Nice. That's all right, stuff. but on your turn. Let's go.
1: I was wondering what console is Edith Finch on? Is it PC. 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 Oh, I have a Mac.
2: <laughs> and this That's is
3: where my friend Brandon exactly. would come in and say, But PCs are better. And I'm like, Shut up.
1: One of my all time favorites is The Last of Us.
3: Yeah. Ah, I,
1: I like how it's different from the Uncharted games where you don't have much ammo. I like the stealth mechanics and the story is I mean, it's a cliche story, like, you know, a zombie apocalypse, but. I just liked how it was written, and I think Joel and Ellie, their father-daughter relationship, is the strongest part of the entire game.
2: The the reason why Last of Us is one of my favorite games of all time is the ending. Didn't yeah. make me cry, interestingly enough. It made my heart stop. My boyfriend has a PlayStation, and before we started dating, we were very close friends, and I would come over to his house over the summer before going to college, like maybe once or twice every week and we would play through Last of Us together. He had already played it and it was already his favorite video game, but he wanted um, me to experience it as well. And I still remember the ending, not gonna spoil it, but I was looking at the TV screen and looking at him, looking back at the TV screen and I was like, Robert, is this for real? Like, do I really, is this for real? And he was like, yeah, don't look at me, the game. Made my heart stop. And the perks of playing the game with someone else was every time got uh, really difficult, you could just give him the controller and then he could play <laughs> it through for me. But something else I love about Last of Us is how good the DLC was. There's a DLC yeah. that focuses on um, what Ellie is doing during one portion of the game uh, when she's taking care of Joel. And that might be my favorite part of the game other than the ending. Even though it was just a DLC, it's, it's so good. It reveals so much about Lee's character, and it has the most difficult battle the entire game. It's it, it was really fun, and I love how there were always so many options on how to uh, get out of certain situations. Like you could you could stealth it, you could use like objects and stuff, you could use guns. Like it, it's a lot of fun.
1: By the way, anybody yeah, uh, getting Last of Us Two? Uh
2: my boyfriend bought a 4 just to get Last of Us Two. Pre-ordered it.
3: I very sadly do not have the console for it.
0: That's so sad. I never had a PlayStation. I never thought I was ever gonna get a PlayStation. So I just watched, like, you know, the cutscene movie on YouTube. Like, all the cutscenes strung together. Um, And even that was, like, a really great, like, emotionally impactful experience. But then, I, like, when I got to college, I finally bought a PS4, um, and I finally got the game. And I'm I, like, I kicked myself when I got to the ending cause like I know what happens. And I know this isn't gonna be like as impactful this time around just because I saw it before, but it's still, Neil Druckmann is such a genius. And I can't wait for that HBO mini series when that comes out.
2: The Next game I have on my list is Witcher 3. I'm a huge fan of massive open world fantasy games in general. I mean, we, we can't talk about Witcher 3 without talking about Skyrim. Undoubtedly, one of the best video games of the cent- of this current century, but that's not what I'm talking about I'm talking about Witcher 3. Like, not only is the main storyline so impactful, like, so many of the characters have such distinct personalities. Even talking to characters aren't that important still so entertaining. I mean, there's just so much content in the game. There are some quests individually in the game are impactful on their own. I mean, there's one quest where I think it's you help a man like find his brother in like some mass grave or something. I see Cory nodding his head. Cory is agreeing with me. I mean, there's so much plot in the game that can just impact you, not just as a video game player, as a person. And at the end is exciting and terrifying. See, all of your choices come together. And I still remember, just like at the end of Last of Us, my heart stopped when I got my ending. I was freaking out. And again, I was turning to my boyfriend like, Robert, is this for real? Is this how this game is ending? And Robert was like, Chloe, play the game. You can't look at me for the answer. <laughs> but Witcher, Witcher 3 is absolutely amazing. The team one time had this insane deal where it was Witcher 1, 2, 3, and all the DLCs for 20 bucks i bought it so i can't wait to play witcher 1 and 2 also witcher 3 wow amazing cd project red has an awesome track history of video games and i cannot wait to see cyberpunk
1: Mm. also keanu reeves
2: oh yeah obviously of course if keanu reeves is in it then game over you know
0: I was over <laughs> yeah. I was gonna jump in on your witcher 3 thing to talk about that exact side quest I'm only like five or six hours in uh, and it's you're not looking through a masked grave you're looking through like a battlefield a battlefield yeah that, that's, that's what it, yeah. um that quest like changed me as a person um and I still think about it like all the time and there' are so
2: many quests in the game. Like, to actually complete the entire game, I mean, it's kind of like you know a Lego game. To 100% that game, I don't even think it's possible. You no, know? because like the choices you make impact other parts of the game. Like there's no way in just one playthrough you can get every single like piece of the game possible. I I, I really love Witcher 3, and I can't wait to play it again. I am going to replay it this time on my <laughs> own Steam account now that I own it. Uh, okay, so which one am I gonna talk
3: about now? Detroit Become Human. <laughs> I have, like, an encyclopedic knowledge of this game um, <sighs> because I've watched so many people play it. I could have talked about, really, any Quantic Dream game when I went to go through this because, let's also be real, like, Heavy Rain is also one of the most impactful games of the last 20 years. But I wanted to talk about Detroit specifically because of what it did that any other game in its, like, gameplay type had never done which was and we talked about life is strange and we talked about how the ending really made it so that the choices you made didn't matter and telltale games while a lot of them are great in reality do your choices really matter in the end i'm looking at the wolf among us the script is like over a thousand pages long and there are entire scenes you do not encounter the first time you play through the game because of choices you make they did the the mocap stuff in a really um good way because they they motion captured everybody um and then CGI'd in other things as they were animating it, obviously. But um, just from a technical standpoint, it's really fascinating. But the fact that the game is so huge that you can go through and find, like, the uh, achievements on your PS4. And it'll be like, yeah, no, so Cara and Alice escape from the demolition plant. And if you get what is arguably the best ending, that is a scene you never see. And you're like, the demolition plant? The heck is that? And then <laughs> you have, but then you have to go back and go through and then different choices you make change how that influences that so if you took like the peaceful route with Marcus then that helps her that helps Kara escape if she makes it to the Canadian border but if she gets caught in the plant you can escape if you're going the peaceful route but if you go the violent route with Marcus then you are like breaking down the door of this plant and you can try to rescue Kara that way so it just there are so many different permutations because there are like three different storylines going on at once and I just think Detroit is really fascinating for that reason because he really made it so that your choices mattered and it was a lot of fun.
0: So I'm gonna talk about another indie game uh, that's also a walking simulator because I cannot get enough of those. (laughs) It's called The Beginner's Guide. (gasps) Yes, Yes, The Beginner's Guide. I love The Beginner's Guide. That is one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, That was also a game that like fundamentally changed who I am as a person. Davey Reiden, this fictional character based on (laughs) The real guy, Davey Reedon wrote the game and narrates the game, uh, took these games, these short quote-unquote games, these levels, created by his friend Coda, um, and he put them all in sequence in chronological order of when this guy made uh, these different games. And uh, you play through these games while Davey explains what these games mean, and... uh, why they're impactful and what they mean and what they say about CODA as a person. And this game starts out as like, oh, this is a fun little exercise in what art can mean about the artist. And then it turns into a critique about criticism and a game about artistic merit. It's really fascinating, um, I think, to watch let's players play this game um because like (laughs) it's a game that you really shouldn't watch a let's player play because it's there's very little gameplay you're just walking through these levels while baby explains things to you so most of the time the let's player is going to be silent for a lot of the game but like Uh, It's a game about Let's Players, and about that culture, and about experiencing art uh, in a super profound way. So I'm just going to say it's $10 on Steam, and it's like an hour and a half gameplay. I think it's only on PC. I could be wrong, but I would highly recommend you play it.
1: All right, so we're going to do two more rounds of best games, and then we're going to move on to worst games. So for my third entry in best, I think I would have to put Ratchet and Plank, A Crack in Time. Oh,
2: Ratchet and Wait, Plank this again. would be your fourth entry, wouldn't
1: it? Oh yeah, my fourth entry, <laughs> Ratchet and Plank, A Crack in Time. I love the Ratchet and Plank games. I grew up with a lot of them. And the Crack in Time, it's, it looks like a Pixar movie. I'm not even exaggerating. And the story and the gameplay is so much fun. And it has hover boots, which is awesome. But it's a story about Ratchet. Um, he's the last of... The Lombax race, I think that's what it's called. And so he tries to find the last of his race, and then he finds this guy who apparently eradicated them or was one of the last few. And so he and him try to bring back the Lombaxes by rewinding time. And it's just a really heartwarming story. Awesome characters, a lot of fun. And like I said, it looks like a Pixar movie. I
2: spy Treasure Hunt. So the way that an iSpy um, video game will usually work is they have the setting, they have the different places where you do the different iSpy puzzles, and the puzzles will change and the story will change, but the setting will stay the same every single time you do it. In iSpy Treasure Hunt, and the ones like Fantasy and Spooky Mansion, the stories don't actually change all that much. The puzzles will change, but... No, like in all the other games, the settings will stay the same, but the stories will stay the same. In I Spy Treasure Hunt, they actually fundamentally change the story that you're playing through each time you play through it. And to see elements of each different story play together in the puzzles throughout the entire game. So on your first playthrough, you might have plot line one. You will see props, the elements, and clues from plot lines two and three the puzzles while you're doing plotline one and also in i spy treasure hunt the setting is my favorite one it's so vivid you're going through this entire town it's just so charming and this past year i was replaying it with um a co-worker while we were bored on the job <laughs> um like in in our downtime we would play uh i spy treasure hunt and we replayed fantasy treasure hunt and spooky mansion all of them i spy mystery 2 and I Spy Treasure Hunt just has so much heart. It's so fun to do again. Like, even though we're not five years old anymore, I would still get stuck on some of the items. Sometimes you still have to use a hint. Oh yeah, no, it's still really hard. Like, I Spy is just difficult, man. (laughs) But I Spy Treasure Hunt is just, I mean, it's from 2001. It doesn't have the best graphics ever. At the time, for the audience it was made for, I don't think there was any better game you could have played as a four or five-year-old kid. My only problem with it that it's not available on any modern systems now. Do you need to f- have the original CD? You need to have like a CD drive or a computer that has a CD drive on it.
1: What is a CD drive, guys? <laughs> Haven't seen it in years. I don't know
2: what that is. I only know I have
3: a MacBook Pro and it, it ain't got one of those <laughs> CDs. What are those? <laughs> Since we were talking about lovely Steam indie games a lot here, I'm gonna add another one to the list. Uh, to the Moon. Ooh. Classic! Yes! Okay, Cory and I actually agree on something again. We're talking about games that made me cry. To the Moon is like right up there, man. Uh, um, There are these two doctors, the last names of which are escaping me. Watts is the funny one. There's, there's a male and female doctor, they're co-workers, and they work for this company that will go into your memories as you're dying and make your wish come true, whatever it is. Or they'll at least attempt, to, they'll, they'll try. Their services are very expensive, but this guy has offered their services, but no one really knows. He's in critical, like, comatose condition, and so he can't tell them. And no one really knows what he wanted his wish to be. And so it starts with you going, treading back through his memories one by one to try and figure out what it was he wanted in the first place. And eventually you find out that his biggest dream was to go to the moon. But in order for them to actually be able to do that, they had to find the source and figure out why. And then change it from there, and so it's really just—it's a really sweet story that goes back through, and you get to like—it's—it's it's really about this like story about him and his wife who passed away, um, and it's just really sweet and you get to find out all these sorts of things about this guy and it's got also just the most adorable humor. You have to go around and find important objects and like get these orbs and then little pieces stick together and you let you move on. So the gameplay is not very aggressive but the story is just really cute. It's got a cute little uh, the soundtrack is adorable and it's just this little pixelated game and uh they've done two ones since or they're working on a third one um that's going to come out towards the end of this year. I have uh I have the second one that I haven't played yet called Finding Paradise and then they're working on a third one, which brings back some of the characters from the first one, which I'm very excited about. Portal 2. <laughs> Yay, Portal! <laughs> Classic.
0: It's, uh, you know, you know. It's widely regarded as one of the best games ever made. I played Portal and Portal 2 concurrently. Like, I would play one, get to a point where I got stuck, and then started playing the other Oh, oh okay. <laughs> Much more interesting characters than the first sure. one. The first one had this sense that, like, okay, you're exploring, like, spoilers, I guess. Uh, you're exploring, like, the back rooms of this facility, um, and that's kind of cool. But the second one is, like, you drop down this chasm into this, like, uh, almost... It, it almost feels like House of Leaves like kind of bigger on the inside Mm -hmm. like lovecraftian cosmic horror kind of thing this facility that seemed so like contained in the first game feels so bottomless and like yeah uh, impossibly big in the second one
3: what i thought was Uh, really interesting in the contrast was how specific and sterile the first game is because it's the operating Aperture Science Laboratory, you are playing the game as, a, everything is proceeding as normal to your understanding. And then Portal 2 takes place like ages later and you're playing as the same person. Um, but the the entire laboratory has like been shut down and so it's like derelict almost. As GLaDOS sort of regains control of more things, it's, it starts to sort of look a little bit more put together. You can actually kind of like see the back end of some of these things it's like it's reconstructing itself and um it's really interesting because there's sort of like this mix of like nature having reclaimed yeah. parts of it and it's it's just really fascinating in a lot of ways that and know. especially
0: because some of the earlier levels are just the same levels as from yeah
3: like no like literally you just dropped directly game. into the room that you started in the first game but it looks yeah.
2: completely different i haven't played the story of portal 2. I bought Portal 2 because... For the co-op? Went for the co-op. When quarantine began um, and my boyfriend and I weren't seeing each other, we were like, okay, what games can we play together that have great co-ops? where we can, like, sleepwalk really and enjoy it. <laughs> and he was like, well, Portal 2 has one of the greatest co-ops ever, so you should buy the game. The co-op mode is so fun. I mean, just like LEGO Star Wars, great co-op. Yeah, it's, <laughs> great one, of few, it's, mode. it's one of
3: the few games I can think of that has such an excellently thought-out single-player and also an excellent co-op mode. I first- I'd highly
0: recommend playing the single-player. I think I've played through that story at least 50 times. Yeah. Maybe more. I was bad at the game, so
3: my brother played the single player, and then my friend Aaron and I played the co-op, but I watched my brother play it. I'm bad at games, so this is a thing that comes up a lot is my brother is playing Portal 2. A funny story about that for me is I, as a child, I really liked Wheatley as a character because I only got Wheatley. Wheatley's great, but it scarred me for life when he turned evil because I was like, but Wheatley, he's my favorite. (laughs) All
1: right, so final best one. GTS San Andreas, great characters. A lot of fun to play. Favorite GTA game of all time.
2: All right. So my final best game, one of the best games of the century century so far, Jackbox party games. Might sound weird, but I can't talk to a new group of people or be in like any kind of casual hangout location without someone suggesting, why don't we play Jackbox? I I think they really revolutionized a whole new way of gameplay. Quiplash. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I think it's completely changed how people see, like, casual video games with friends, especially mm-hmm. now during quarantine, because it's so easy yeah. to play, just remote. So I think especially right now, Dark Box Party games can be considered one of the best video games of the century so far. For sure. Can't Absolutely. wait to see what else they release.
3: Alrighty, my last one is um, back on the, uh, the the DS puzzle game uh, situation. Uh, Professor Layton and the Unwound Future. Oh, <laughs> um, oh, Future man. is my favorite one, and I will fight for it! The story of Unwound Future is just, mm. Professor Layton is, like, the puzzles are great, and I'm bad at them, but I have a lot of the Professor Layton games, so I'm just kind of going through it. But just, the last, like, I don't know how long that game actually is, but, like, the third act of Unwound Future, like, from when they are, like, he figures everything out, and then it all just sort of, like, unravels, and it's just, hmm, it's so good. Everything about it. I, I played it when I was like 13. It's still one of my favorite games on the DS.
0: My favorite game of all time is God of War 2018. Uh, partially because I love the hyper-masculine uh, punch people until they stop <laughs> moving gameplay. And partially because I think the story is so beautiful. I think the $60 price tag is worth even just the first 15 minutes. It is so beautifully directed. As a guy who loves the one-take gimmick, The entire game takes place in, like, one continuous camera shot. It is so good. It is so beautiful. Uh, The uh, connection between Kratos and his son is so profound. And the music, Bear McCreary, my favorite composer ever. I just, I cannot stop talking about this game. I love it to death. That's all I gotta say.
1: All right, so on to the worst. Worst
2: worst. games, worst games, worst games. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So I think for this one, since we're short on time, we should just list all of our worst games.
2: Okay. Okay, yeah, that makes sense.
1: All right, so for worst, I think mine are Sonic 06 and Sonic Unleashed.
2: I also had Sonic
1: Unleashed.
0: <laughs> okay, I love Sonic Unleashed, mostly okay. because I... Not because it's good, not because it's, it's I fair. enjoy playing it, but because being on the Sonic writers team is my dream job, because <laughs> you can say anything. You like, can! Maybe, what if Sonic is a werewolf and world <laughs> is an egg for a lovecraftian deity and like you, you know true there is kind of like, a lovecraftian yeah, deity yeah not do that <laughs> no,
1: that's
3: See but at least like Sonic and the Black Knight like had a st- I mean Sonic at had a story but it was rushed and yes. bad like even the very beginning of the game it's like Sonic's in space about to ep Eggman F- what where
1: <laughs> like what happened I'm so space kidding. What, what is, well, how did this happen? How did I could it- arguably put Sonic Forces on that list, but it brought,
3: uh, on this list too, but it brought back too many of the characters that I liked from Sonic Heroes, so it gets passed.
1: <laughs> and Sonic 06, because do I have to explain why I didn't like Sonic no, 06? it's
3: Sonic 06, no one likes Sonic 06.
1: <laughs> I saw it at GameStop for I think $3, and I did not buy it. <laughs> Missed opportunity.
2: Trying to decide this was really difficult for me because I am the type of person who always sees the good in every game, every single game. It is really, really hard for me to call something objectively a bad game. Even this answer right now, the game isn't bad. The way they went about releasing it was, and that game for me is No Man's Sky. Uh, They promised so much. And then
3: did deliver much
2: hype, 90% of it. And then they released (laughs) the game and I mean, the reviews just tanked it. And the game itself, now when you play it, they have a lot of the things they promised. But at the time, it was but
3: the marketing. Released, yeah, no, the marketing just tanked the entire because the, the hype game.
2: around this game. I have never seen hype around a game like that since. Yeah, no, honestly. because the premise was fascinating. They did such the a good job. The premise time. Was, like, Look was, at this. It was so insane, cool. Promised so much and. Everyone was talking about it. With what they promised versus what they released, I mean, I think it's one of the biggest letdowns in video game history,
1: honestly. I'd, I'd argue that. I think Watch Dogs is the biggest letdown in video Oh, games. Watch Dogs is
3: also up there, yeah.
1: Oh. It was so overhyped.
3: Yeah, again, with the premise being really cool, and then the delivery not living up to the premise. Just for the fact that it was really glitchy, and I think Ubisoft learned their lesson, uh, Assassin's Creed Unity. And there are a lot of games in the Assassin's Creed series that I genuinely like, but they got into this mode of, like, releasing one a year, and then Unity just was... They got rolling too fast, and it came out too quickly, and so they just... I think Ubisoft kind of learned their lesson on they needed to, like, take a break, and then when they came back with another Assassin's Creed game after that, it was really good, so I had no complaints with that, but just Unity just needed to get that one out there. Um, The other two are just me being personally upset about them and that they're not necessarily, like, the worst games ever made or anything, but I'm just personally upset about them. The first one is Harvest Moon. And here's the thing. I really like the premise of Harvest Moon, but Stardew Valley is just the better version of what Harvest Moon was trying to be. (laughs) Because I played Harvest Moon a ton as a kid, but the game was too big. For what they were trying to do, and there was no map, so I could never tell where my house was, and I constantly collapsed due to exhaustion. And so, the game just drove me crazy because I couldn't actually play it because I just kept collapsing due to exhaustion. And so, like, the premise was really interesting. But then, Stardew Valley came out, and it was like Harvest Moon has spent like 15 games trying to be this, and this one guy made it in like it, like, spent like eight years on it. But Stardew Valley is like great, and I should have put that one on my best games list too. But like, Harvest Moon was what. Stardew Valley is what Harvest Moon wishes it was, uh, and then my other one, since we were talking about Pokemon Mystery Dungeon earlier, was uh, Gates to Infinity. It was just, it was just really disappointing. I didn't like it,
2: it especially was... when you compare it to the original. Yeah, no, because That's I nice. loved
3: Explorers of Time and Darkness and Sky. Like that was a major part of my childhood. So when Gates to Infinity came out, like it missed some of like the main mechanics of what made Pokemon Mystery Dungeon what it was. It didn't have a lot of playable Pokemon, and most of them were Unova Pokemon to begin with. So it felt like a really like limited list in a way it got rid of the hunger thing except for some like after game dungeons that did it uh it was a really short story in after game and the story just progressed really slowly uh and the in-game text was so slow like the, the text scroll was so slow it's like a tiny little nitpick but i hated that and that that's my list that's all i had but like hmm.
0: i have only played through detroit become human once <laughs> and i really wanted <laughs> to like it and i'm like chloe where i try really hard to find the good in games, I could not find the good in Detroit. Become human. I hated that game, and to be fair, I started that game trying to break it. Kara's storyline, that first, uh, like her introduction, um, I thought had some of the most on-the-nose dialogue I've ever heard in my life, and I was not a fan of it, especially because it's dealing with the topic as, as like, as complex. As domestic abuse. That yeah. is a very difficult topic to explore. I don't think David Cage did a good job of it. The first hour of the game is just doing chores. <laughs> That's fair.
3: Yeah, no, her first scene is not good. I w- her first scene and one of the
0: other guys first scene. What's his name? Oh, Marcus. Yeah, no, Marcus. Marcus. <laughs>
3: You, you buy paint. <laughs> I'm gonna be real with you, Chief. Connor is my favorite of the three storylines.
0: <laughs> I like. I. Me too. I really like Connor's storyline. Uh, I think his section in Trick Club was a really interesting. Uh, fun fact:
3: uh, the Tracy robot that they tracked down is the guy. The actor who plays
0: Connor's wife played the Tracy bots. Oh, interesting. Yeah. No, that's well, that's my little fun fact. For I really liked. I really liked that sequence. Um, because it actually had gameplay.
3: My thing about Detroit is I mostly like it from a technical standpoint and what it did for the genre overall. I will fully accept most criticisms of the game. Yeah,
0: that's totally (laughs) fair. I totally understand. And if you like that game, please, I want you to like, I want people to like games. Games are art and, like, I don't want, I don't think there's any kind of objective criticism to any kind of art piece, whether that's a game, a movie, a book, a painting, anything. As soon as I booted up the game, I was like, can I kill Kara? (laughs) Yes, you can! In the first five minutes, you can kill her off, and she's not in the game. Yeah, no, you can
3: kill her off in her second scene. There are like five different ways she just straight up dies.
0: Yeah, that's it. if you just don't touch the controller, she's gone. And... (laughs) Even if you do touch the
3: controller, there are multiple ways you can get both her and Alice killed in that first scene.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and it guts the pacing. She is necessary for the game to be like enjoyable. Yeah, no, because
3: how do you do that? There's an entire counter sequence that you can't do if she dies. You're right.
0: I finished the game in like six hours. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, did you actually kill Kara? (laughs) Yeah, I killed Kara. Um, I like the idea of a thousand pages of a script, but. I don't care. I don't care how many pages are in a script. One of my favorite short films is called Lemon, and it's just seven minutes of a lemon. Oh, it's the thing that we do. We watch it A&A. Yeah. yeah, it's just a lemon with a light slowly <laughs> rotating around it. And I love it. I love really self-contained stories. I don't care how many pages are in a script as long as those pages have quality to them. And I feel like David Cage was just trying to reach that 1,000-page word count. He was just trying to pack as much into that game as he could. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's great. I'm not judging you, but that's just m- not my thing. The dialogue is... Uh, I liked the exchanges between Connor and the voice of the crab. I <laughs> but I like their exchanges. Hang. And the fact that most of most of my favorite exchanges in that game were improvised Oh yeah, no. Like the uh I'm trained to deal with like human variability wink. <laughs> yeah. I, like that just tells me that David Cage isn't a very uh Yeah, no. It feels
3: like the best good part of the game writer. in spite of him rather than because Wait, of him. Wait, I think I think to help Corey speed up. We
0: can't talk over him. <laughs> <Sorry>. Thank you. <laughs> um and third of all, I forgot what I was going to say, but uh <laughs> but I don't like that game. And if you like it, that's great. But I feel like it had it had a lot of potential, and I like the world it built. I like, you know, the the graphics. I think Quantum Dream is a really great studio. They make really interesting ideas and worlds. But I don't think David Cage is a very interesting writer, and I I don't like Detroit Become Human. My second game. I'm gonna be very quick about it. It's uh, Dear Esther. I hate Dear Esther. That's the game that started the um the Walking Simulator uh, craze, yes, and it did yes. a horrible job of it. <laughs> it is so slow, and it is so pretentious, and I don't understand it. I don't want to understand it. I just hated playing it. I hated the experience of the rest. Of it.
1: Every time you say Walking Simulator, I think you're going to talk about Death Stranding, and then I'm disappointed.
0: Every time you say I Walking Simulator,
2: like I think stranding. of pop. <laughs> oh, really i have not played Death really Stranding. I really wanna... want to wanna say this really quickly. I feel like an honorable mention of best games of all t- of um the century. No one mentioned Minecraft? Minecraft. Oh, yeah, of Minecraft. course. Oh,
1: yeah, Minecraft. Minecraft.
2: And I also
3: didn't talk about Animal Crossing, but Animal Crossing deserves to be on there too. Yeah,
0: there are a lot of, <laughs> there's been a lot of good games.
2: There is still so much innovation happening on Minecraft. Robert just yeah. showed up yeah. Minecraft RTX where Nvidia is doing like real-time ray tracing.
0: Mm-hmm. It's hmm
2: You know, and there's the new, the new Minecraft game,
3: the oh, new Minecraft God. Dungeons game is really good yeah. too. And just the amount of user content.
0: Real quick, um, so I am actually co-writing a video game right now, uh, and it's not a real video game, it's for PlayStation Dreams, uh, but if you have PlayStation Dreams, it's called Xerxes, that's X-E-R-X-E-S, and if, uh, it's like a, a kind of, it's a alien, shooty, first-person shooter kind of game where you're in a spaceship and you're shooting aliens, it has some really nuanced things to the storytelling. I don't know when it's going to come out, not for another year at least, but I don't know when I'm going to be on a podcast or anything public again. So I just want to get this out there right now. gonna be called Xerxes. Maybe in a year or so, you might find it on Dreams. Definitely pick it up. It's going to be really cool. That's it. All
1: right, thank you everybody so much for agreeing to be on this episode, especially as I commemorate my 20th birthday at time of release.
2: Yeah, happy birthday, dude. Happy
1: birthday. Happy birthday. Woo! All right, awesome job, guys. Thank you again. And go gamers. Yeah. Woo! Yeah, gamer Gamer (laughs) (laughs) name. Blooper, not the best list. I swear, if anybody put Fortnite, I'm I'm ending this episode right
2: here. (laughs) The only place it belongs is on the worst list, and that's (laughs) it. Well, see, best and worst is different than popular. So. Yeah, no. Yeah, no, when we were asked, uh,
3: was it this spring that we were asked what our least favorite game was? Because I think... I think so. Half of us said Fortnite. <laughs> we were
1: like, no, get it oh. out of here. Blooper 2. Hand Simulator.
2: Last time, I was in a Zoom call and was there. He mentioned Hand Simulator, because I don't know if you guys remember that episode. Yes, the- when you completely broke only- down all of the segment. the <laughs> Literally the only time I've ever had to call Kai.
3: Why did you just cackle so hard when you were reading about Hand Simulator? Did you not know what Hand Simulator was? <laughs> Okay, (laughs) because I was sitting in the controller like, is she okay?